When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Good morning and Merry Christmas. You are listening to Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and over on ESPN2. No Evan, Canty, or Michelle until 2024. But you've got Courtney Cronin and Mike Rothstein with you for four hours of NFL action. We've got three more games today. Mike, I am convinced that the NFL is going to take over every holiday from here on out. They've successfully done it with the Christmas Day slate. We've got some NBA action coming your way. We're going to break down some of the big matchups that are taking place a little bit later on. Five games today coupled with the NFL action. We have so much to break down from the NFL window in week 16. How are you, my sleep-deprived friend? I, I am good. I actually went to bed earlier than I usually do because 4.30 in the morning is an early wake-up call in my world. That's 3.30 your time out in Chicago. Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays to everyone as well. And, uh, you know, I missed the end of the New England-Denver game. It sounds like I missed the end you of missed a, a good, good game. I know, which one. was shocking because when I went to bed, it was putting me to sleep on my couch before <laughs> Uh, I actually went the 30 feet into my bedroom. But, hey, you know what? Bill Belichick's just – he's trying to hang around, I guess. Trying to hang around and trying to hurt uh, the Patriots' draft position. And whoever's going to be making that pick in 2024, (laughs) they go from third to fourth in the draft order as it currently stands. Some interesting games that – pertain to the draft order the Carolina Panthers end up hanging on to the number one overall pick yesterday the team that I cover the Chicago Bears breathing a big sigh of relief the one time I think you're going to find that Bears fans were actually Packers fans yesterday uh, watching Green Bay (laughs) close out that one on the road but of course we start with the big game uh, in the Sunday afternoon late window slate Dallas Cowboys on the road against the Miami Dolphins and tell me if you've heard this before Dallas unable to pull out a road win against a quality opponent, an opponent that locked up its playoff hopes. Yesterday, it's playoff positioning. They still have the AFC East in line to be able to lock that up. But Buffalo, also coming up big on Saturday, might have something to say about that down the stretch. But the Dallas Cowboys lose this game. A close one, 22-20. Miami walking off with a win, a field goal late in that one. And what we know now about the Dallas Cowboys is the same thing that we've been talking about for weeks. They had the similar, something similar unfold against the San Francisco 49ers earlier this season. It happened against the Philadelphia Eagles. It happened last week against the Buffalo Bills, Mike. And once again, they are unable to pull out a win against a quality opponent on the road. Do you feel any different about the Cowboys today? Or are you like me and like, yeah, This is exactly what we thought, and I am starting to throw water on my fire and my flames that I had on this team being in in a a playoff opponent that's going to not disappoint us the way that they do every single year in either the wild card round or divisional playoffs. No, I I actually think that Dallas showed us something yesterday. I, I really do, because you're talking about that game against San Francisco. They got blown out 
against San Francisco. It wasn't close. They went to Miami. They were leading. I mean, listen, Miami won fifth field goal from Jason Sanders as it expired. Like, that happens. That was a quality NFL football game. That's exactly what we would hope and expect to see next month in the playoffs over and over again. We want those types of games. I have no problem with how Dallas played yesterday. I thought they handled things fairly well. They went on the road. They played a quality opponent. They lost. Like, sorry, that's going to happen. You have winners. You have losers every week in the NFL unless you have ties. I think I took more of this than my I took more from Miami about this than Dallas. I thought Dallas acquitted themselves well. They went to against a team that has a high-powered offense. Their defense held them to 22. Not bad when you're playing the Dolphins. And to me, I think Dallas did okay here. I'm not any less bullish on Dallas than I was, although I wasn't necessarily all that high on Dallas to start, Courtney. Did they do enough towards the end to actually win that game? No, they didn't. So I do. I will push back. This is something that we've seen from the Dallas Cowboys all season long. It wasn't a blowout loss. It was a close loss. Yet the same story has played out for this Cowboys team. Another frustrating loss that puts them further behind the eight ball, leaves the NFC East in play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember, the Eagles lost control of the division last week. Now they play on Christmas Eve. Uh, They'll play later today. They've got the New York Giants. Again, three NFL games on this Monday. But for Dallas and Dak Prescott, the same story unfolding once again. Closer loss this time. Let's hear from the the Dallas Cowboys quarterback on the frustrations of this loss and what it means for the team moving forward. You, you just know to frustrate, frustrate the dead spot, I guess you can say, right there in the, in the middle of the game for the offense. I mean, all right, after the first two drives, don't get anything going again, and then come back second half. Once again, a little dry there, and then finally get it back rolling, get some points on the board, a couple of field goals and a touchdown, take the lead. And, yeah, tough, but but our defense did a hell of a job. This is this is completely on everybody, one that sucks, but definitely took a step, I guess you can say, from obviously last week's game, getting some points, playing a hell of a team here on the road. We'll, we'll have to build off it. We'll have to use the good, make, make sure we uh, get, get better from from the things that, that weren't up to standard, uh, but use the good and plan, plan to go on the road. That dead spot he's referring to is where the offense had a huge lull in the middle of the game. So CeeDee Lamb, five catches for 93 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter. And then he doesn't see the ball again until that final, the final quarter, the fourth quarter. Um, Tyron Smith, they obviously missed him yesterday. And when you see Dak lead that go-ahead drive in the fourth quarter, so he converted, I believe I'm reading here, seven third downs. And that fourth down that was near midfield, he did everything that he needed to do. To me, when we talk about the MVP, when we talk about what this means for Dak Prescott personally, I don't walk uh, walk away from this game feeling upset with the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe that's short-sighted. I know it's a team game. That loss reflects the same on Dak Prescott as it does on the rest of the team. But I felt like in this moment, unlike what I saw last week where this offense could barely muster more than 10 points, the deck did what enough to at least put him back in the MVP conversation for me. And maybe down the stretch here, this offense can turn the tide somewhat, somewhere. But I'm not as concerned about Dak Prescott as I am about other elements of this team. No, I understand that. I mean, but you also just said that, you know, earlier that you were just like, hey, you know what? I'm not really buying into Dallas anymore because they couldn't close it at the end. They came back from nine points down in the fourth quarter to take the lead with three and a half minutes left. It's not Dak Prescott's fault. It's not the offense's fault that the defense then couldn't stop Miami. But again, the Dolphins' offense is one of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL. That's going to happen. Again, I don't think you should take anything away from Dallas in a negative connotation here. 
I really don't. They played a good game. They didn't get blown out. Sure, their defense gave up a last-minute drive late, but guess what? They're not going to face many offenses that are as talented and as fast as my um, Miami's offense. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, I'm not buying into that we learned anything negative about Dallas today. We learned that they can hang on the road. And don't forget, they play in the NFC, not the AFC. NFC doesn't have many teams like Miami. No, it doesn't. And the good thing for Miami, Tyreek Hill came back. He had the ankle injury. He sat out the Jets game the week before. They obviously didn't need him. But nine catches for 99 yards returning from that ankle injury, 1,641 yards in 2023. He needs 70 yards to break his own record from last year in Miami, and he's only about you know 300-ish yards away from 2,000. Can he get there in the final two games of the season? Never say never. And never say you know enough about this Miami offense. When you talk about how high-powered this unit is, it wasn't that they were just doing what they typically do, beating people on the outside. Because when you have a Dallas team and you're forcing them to defend the entire field, with a, a team that has Micah Parsons, a team that has Demarcus Lawrence, they're going to be able to do that. But I felt in moments that they kept Miami's offense in check, but even still, it wasn't enough for this Dallas Cowboys team to go get that win on the road. On the flip side of that, the Miami Dolphins securing a spot in the AFC playoff picture. They can improve their positioning over the next couple of games, but they are in the dance starting in January. Tua Tagovailoa, Dolphins quarterback, on what this win meant and how it felt for the Dolphins. A win. We got a win. It's all you can ask for in this league. Any which way you can get it. That's all you can ask for. Very proud of our guys. They played their hearts out against a really good team. You know, the opposing team played really well. I got a lot of respect for those guys on uh, both sides of the ball. You know, they were well coached. They played, they played a hard game. You know, these kind of games in December, that's how, that's how they go. Um, whoever has the ball last normally, you know, it's what you can do with that. And they did have the ball last. Tua and Tyreek Hill, the entire offense, going on a 12-play, 64-yard drive, 3 minutes and 27 seconds. And that was capped off by Jason Sanders' 29-yard field goal. I believe that was his fifth of the day. So yes. pay the man eventually. We know that kickers coming through in big moments tend to help teams when they get into the postseason. So that will be one to to watch it but I felt like Tua was kind of measured Mike in that approach the way that he was talking about this game where he wasn't overly excited that his team got into the postseason because remember there were the same questions about this Dolphins team as we've had about the Dallas Cowboys can they beat a quality opponent they do it at home and then they've got to go on that like they've got an even harder stretch here to finish the season they've got to go on the road to play in Baltimore next week before they finish things up with Buffalo are you buying the, the Miami Dolphins more than you are the Dallas Cowboys? Because I know you said you don't really have many questions about the Cowboys following Well, they are what loss. they are. They are because that's because Dallas is what they is. They, they, they are what they are, not is what they is. It's early in the morning here <laughs> <laughs> on a sportsman like that. They are what they are. I mean, Miami, I thought we learned because on Friday, you and I were hosting Freddie and Harry together, and we were talking about the questions with these two teams and that both of them would have to maybe prove something here. I think they both did. Dallas proved that we know what they are. They are a good team that in an NFC that other than San Francisco has a whole bunch of teams with questions, they can be competitive probably with everybody except for, except for San Francisco. Miami showed they can beat one of the better teams in the NFC. And not only that, they put themselves in position, Courtney, if Baltimore loses tonight, 
they're now tied to potentially have the one seed. And if you're Miami, the one seed is very important to you because you are a team that is built on speed. Mm -hmm. And speed slows when you get in the cold. Take it from my 43-year-old self. Your your body gets a little bit slower. Your your joints ache. Tyreek Hill has been playing hurt the last couple weeks. You want Tyreek Hill in a warm-weather Miami situation than having to go to Baltimore in the AFC Championship game, than having to potentially go to Buffalo if all of a sudden you end up in a situation where you fall to the wild card. That's why this win was so important for Miami is because now they put themselves in a position that they could potentially have one, maybe two, maybe even three, depending on where it sits, home games in Miami. They don't have to leave. That's a big deal when you're talking about the AFC because you don't have to maybe go to a Kansas City, a Baltimore, a Buffalo. That's really, really big when you're talking about the Dolphins. Plus, why Tua wasn't that excited, Courtney? Because they've been there before. This is a team that had Super Bowl aspirations, so they're not going to be super excited that they got into the postseason. That was the expectation. That was the like, expectation, it's not like Detroit. the goal. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the Detroit Lions, congratulations to you long-suffering Detroit Lions fans. You know a thing or two about that, I Mike. Do. Having I know covered a lot them about it. For a very, very long time. We're going to get into that in a little bit here on Unsportsmanlike. But speaking of an injured player, somebody playing through injury, the way you had talked about with Tyreek Hill, Trevor Lawrence going to have some tests on that injured shoulder. And did he also put his coach on blast with some comments that he made post-game? We're going to get into that next. Coming up on Unsportsmanlike, Courtney Kern and Mike Rothstein sitting in for the guys on this Christmas morning. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Um, this is Unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio. In the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein sitting in on this Christmas morning for Evan Canty and Michelle. They will be back in 2024 but this show as always presented by progressive insurance we want you to be a part of unsportsmanlike nation on the dr pepper call in line call us triple eight say espn 888-729-3776 espn nation is presented by dr pepper it ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold dr pepper the one fans deserve so one of my takeaways from week 16 and it continues to be a takeaway really since the midway portion of the season is that we need to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seriously, not only for what they've done in the regular season, but also what they can do in the postseason. Yeah. But on the flip side of that is the team that they beat in week 16, which is the Trevor Lawrence led Jacksonville Jaguars. And once again, we are seeing this Jaguars team collapse before our eyes. Another 
big loss for them on the road in Tampa and watching what happened with Trevor Lawrence. If it's not a concussion, it's an ankle. If it's not an ankle, it's a knee injury. And now he's got this injured shoulder, which he's going to have to have you know, some tests run on today and tomorrow to see just how severe that injury is. He injured it, I believe, diving on a fourth and one play late in the third quarter. It's adding, like, I guess – Insult to injury now, not injury to insult because of what this team has been through, the playoff aspirations for the Jacksonville Jaguars and just where they sit right now with arguably their worst loss since they no-showed against the San Francisco 49ers earlier this season. Well, I don't know if it's their worst loss, mostly because Tampa's been playing well. Yeah, they play in the woebegone NFC South. I cover the NFC South, uh, the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN. But Tampa's won four in a row. And they've looked really good doing it to the point where it's reasonable to think that Baker Mayfield could be back mm-hmm. in Tampa in 2024, which I think a lot of people would not have necessarily thought two months ago. Certainly at the start of the season, it looked like it might be a one-and-done thing for Baker in Tampa, but Baker played well yesterday. That's one of the biggest things I took away is that when we're talking about teams that maybe we're not thinking about, especially in the NFC, where it's kind of San Francisco and everybody else, right, Courtney? Tampa will have a home game provided they win next week. If they beat New Orleans, they win the NFC South. That locks up at least one home game. It means they could play the Dallas Cowboys that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. We've seen what happens with them on the road. But Baker went 26-35, 283 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He has been solid, and they have good receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they have a defense that's been there before. When you're talking about making playoff runs, this Tampa Bay team can be scary in the playoffs. Again, I don't think that they're at San Francisco's level, but every other team in the NFC, they could run with them. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, you have a, I don't know if it's fair to call them floundering Jaguars team, but they're 8-7 and seven right now. I don't know yeah. of any other appropriate adjective for a team that, They're like the Chargers of the other side of the country in the AFC because they always enter with such high expectations, and the Chargers were eliminated from postseason contention over during this Week 16 slate. Um, But they're 8-7. and Trevor Lawrence, so-so game yesterday, 17-29, 211 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Very clearly not healthy. Let's just point that out there first. Very much so. But – You've got to hear these comments from him post-game because I think that he might be directing this uh, over at Doug Peterson. Take a listen. It's frustrating. I mean, yeah, it's just every aspect of the game today was frustrating. Yeah, that, that's frustrating. It's frustrating that we had so many mistakes all the way around. It's frustrating that we had a couple turnovers again. We just, we got to, at some point, we got to take control of it and go play the way that I know we're capable of playing. And we're not doing that. It's like we're all waiting around, waiting on something to happen for us to get out of this funk, and it's not happening. You know, no one's coming to save us. We got to, we got to go take control, take these games and win them and, you know, put ourselves in position. Yeah, it's, you know, I got a lot of thoughts. It's frustrating. It's really, it's really embarrassing and frustrating. And you put a lot of work in to do that and to look like you don't even practice. I mean, that's what it looks like, which is, you got to call it like you see it sometimes. I mean, it's bad all the way around. So we got to find ways to get better. We got to get out of our own way. To look like you don't even practice, my goodness, the audacity well, to practice. say that at the end. <laughs> he Well, to be fair, <laughs> he did not practice, really. He practiced very little less this past week because he was... <laughs> In concussion protocol, but yeah, yeah listen, that that is, I don't know whether, I mean, listen, we talked about this about Jay, with Jalen Hurts last week, right? Cordy, like that was the big thing. Jalen Hurts called out his team mm-hmm. last week. 
I don't know if Trevor Lawrence was calling out the coaches as much as maybe he was calling out the rest of his guys on offense. And maybe the team in general, because like you said, it was kind of a no-show for them. They played a pretty good team, but they were down 20 nothing early. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they just – it was like they slept walk off the bus or off the plane and bus. And that, to me, was the bigger concern there. But, yeah, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, this is me trying to take a leadership position and understand what he's been through in his career too, right? Like, this year is not gone as expected. Last year, they play well, and they obviously get to the second round of the playoffs. There's – expectations on them because of what they did last year but don't forget that first season he played in the NFL he went through a complete dumpster fire with Mm -hmm. Urban Meyer he was the adult in the room that year so he's seen a lot in four years I think he's put himself in a position where he can call these things out and that his team has to respond to that because they're in a situation now where they need to probably win at least one game to make sure they get into the playoffs Unlike Jalen Hurts' message, because you, you brought that up. That's a good point. Like, when, when that calculated message came out about, I don't think we're committed enough, that was on a night where he threw two interceptions. So, very clearly, he was part of the problem in that loss in Seattle. Trevor Lawrence put the ball on the ground two times yesterday. They lost one of those fumbles, another fumble from Evan Ingram, but he also threw two interceptions. So, does that not come across in a way like, I get – what you have to do as a quarterback of an NFL team, you have to, you know, if, if a message needs to be delivered to shake up your locker room, it probably should be coming from the leader of the team, from the quarterback. But when he played as poorly as he did yesterday, albeit injured, no one's, you know, ex- saying anything other than that. Doesn't that come a- ring a little weird to you when he's talking about we didn't even, that looks like we haven't even practiced and, you know, they're not locked in and that they're in a position of free fall right now. Shouldn't, that start with a I need to be better message also delivered in that moment? Not necessarily because, I mean, I've covered a lot of guys who don't necessarily say I. They'll say we in, in terms of mm. talking about everybody. And included in that we is me. And, and that, I think, is what Trevor Lawrence, it felt like, was saying is that everybody needs to be better if this team's going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's the obvious portion of this. I, it, to me, it's very similar to what Jalen Hurts did, said last week. And if we take it in any other context, I don't think that's fair to Jalen Hurts, who got criticized a bunch in Philly, it seemed like, last week, or fair to Trevor Lawrence. They're, they're saying basically the same thing, just and in very similar situations, too. They're trying to keep their team from free-falling. Philly's going to be in the postseason. Jacksonville's trying to get into the postseason. But they're very similar situations and I'm not taking anything more from what Trevor Lawrence said than what Jalen Hurts said a week ago. All right. So the Panthers go to Jacksonville next week. So maybe that's the win that Jacksonville needs to right the ship here. They also have the Titans to end the season in week 18. You mentioned Philly. They're part of the Christmas day slate. So we got three games coming your way today Raiders and Chiefs that's the first one uh 1 2 p.m eastern time followed by Giants and Philly 5 p.m eastern time and then the big one in the evening which we will spend plenty of time on this morning the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers the current one seed in both the AFC and AFC and NFC playoff picture lot on the line in that game Straight ahead, our biggest takeaways from the Week 16 slate, but also what we're expecting to see tonight. That's after Mike has this from Vivid Seats. 
Bowl season basketball, hockey, and pro football are in action, and Vivid Seats has it all for you and your ticket-gifting needs this holiday season. See every one-timer, every touchdown, and every slam dunk live and in person with great deals on great seats. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you earn rewards with every purchase. They're here for us fans offering unbeatable rewards like surprise seat upgrades, free tickets, annual birthday discounts, and more. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It still reeks of bacon wrapped with bacon with a side of bacon after a long NFL Sunday. I love bacon, but I never actually say it. Bacon just knows. But man, does he have some thoughts. And bacon, this is Upon Further Review with Chris Ganty. I've got thoughts. I don't have any bacon because it's a little early for that, but let's see what the next couple hours bring. It's a holiday. Merry Christmas to you and yours. We hope that you have a wonderful holiday. Hopefully you have some time off. We appreciate you spending part of your morning here with us on Unsportsmanlike. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle. Does Canty usually make bacon, Pat, during the show? Like, What, what is this all about? Leftover bacon from Sunday? Pat's not here, but I'll answer your question. Thank you, Javante, uh, for he doing normally Pat's job doesn't. For him. I think they just come up with some random things to say about him. I, I have no idea. Oh. Okay, so there's no food involved here. I was told there would be food. I, I mean, I if was, you guys yeah. want to grab some real quick, you can go ahead. I was I just wondering whether it was Canadian bacon. That. Yeah, <laughs> was it Canadian bacon, like the crispy bacon, the hotel bacon that's always a little bit kind of shaky, or was it like that restaurant bacon? Because I can do a whole thing on bacon. I, I Bacon is a food group for me. It's fantastic. It is good stuff. And you know what else is good stuff? Our takeaways from week 16. How about that for a transition? All right, Mike, you have your three. I've got my three. Let's get started here. Number three. Sam Howell and the experiment that we've seen this season with the Washington Commanders, that era is officially over. Look, this was a team that came back from 27-14 in the third quarter. It was 28-27 with, I think like five minutes to go in that game and then they end up squandering that lead Greg Zerline kicks a 54 yarder and the Jets 
The Jets, yes, that team that was eliminated from postseason contention last week, they walk off with the 30-28 win. But I've seen enough from Sam Howell. I've seen enough to know that he is not the bridge quarterback that Washington might have hoped for within this offense and within this team that's going to go through a lot of change, expected change this offseason with the coaching staff because of the new ownership that's come in. I think that as much as we have already kind of written off Ron Rivera and his staff as being out of Washington, I'm throwing Sam Howell into that mix as well. well I mean, by the way, Sam Howell could end up being a backup quarterback. In, yeah, but he's Washington not going be to be fine. the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders in 2024. Like, to me, that, that ship has sailed. Pro- probably not, but we'll see if they do end up getting a new coach and moving on from Ron Rivera, what they think there. My takeaway goes from the East Coast to the West Coast. The Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford. This is a team that at the beginning of the season, most people were like, Oh, I don't know. This team, maybe they'll win five games, six games. I sat there and I told I had people, them a five. I had them as a five win team. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I, I, I was sitting there and saying, listen, this team, the depth was the concern, but the top end mm-hmm. talent, you could not question the mm-hmm. top end talent. Now, no one knew that Puka Nakua would be what he has become, but they had Cooper mm-hmm. Cup, they have Aaron Donald, they have Matthew Stafford, and they had Sean McVay, who has won a Super Bowl as a head coach. What we're seeing now is that other than the San Francisco 49ers, I know we talked about Tampa before, but the Los Angeles Rams might be the second most feared team right now in that conference because they are on fire right now. They handled the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, it was a 30-22 final there, but they played so, so well. Matthew Stafford's playing as well as any quarterback in the NFL at the moment. 24-34 last night, or over the weekend, 328 yards, two touchdowns. If he's if he played like this, Courtney, throughout October, we'd be talking about him in the MVP conversation. But he had that lull in September and October. But right now, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams mm-hmm. ran for 104 yards this week. Like This team is scary right now. And I, if I were Detroit, which right now, if they ended up playing the Lions, Matthew Stafford versus the Lions in a playoff game in Detroit, man, the storylines just write themselves. But yes, I would not do. want to play the Rams in the first round of the playoffs. They're 8-7 and seven right now as far as the playoffs go. They own that head-to-head tiebreaker over the Seahawks if that ended up coming into play. Seattle now bounces its way into the playoff picture, a game-winning drive from Geno Smith, the same way that we saw from Drew Locke the week before. But... Who would have thought the NFC West would have three teams currently in the playoff picture? Not I. I was not one of those people. So I'm with you. The Rams are a very dangerous team as a sixth seed if this ends up staying. I don't think anybody would want to face them, even if they do very likely have to go on the road throughout the postseason. All right, what's next? Number two. Baker Mayfield here to stay in Tampa Bay. I know I was just talking about Sam Howell getting out of the Washington Commanders in 2024, at least that being my takeaway. You know, Baker goes from a perfect passer rating against the Green Bay Packers and doing that on the road last week to just an awesome performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a game that was never in question for Tampa Bay, 30-20 to the final there. Baker Mayfield, 26-35, of 283 yards, two touchdowns. He's playing good football. And the way that this Bucks team, you got to give a lot of credit to the front office, Mike. They took all of that dead money on, on in one season. They said, okay, we're going to take our lumps this year. We'll see how things play out. They're very lucky that they get to play in the NFC South, which you know intimately <laughs> covering the Atlanta Falcons. But 
this renaissance that we're seeing from Baker Mayfield at this point of his career, maybe this is where he sticks going forward. Maybe this is like he finally found his footing in a place that appreciates him and puts him in position to to succeed. Yeah, not only that, it helps when you have Mike Evans. <laughs> like, let's just not even. The man is like, a walking 1,000 yard season yeah. for the last 10 years. <laughs> like, it helps when you have Mike Evans, but Baker Mayfield has looked very good. And considering the state of quarterback play right now in the NFL, where a lot of teams are trying to figure out what that looks like, it would mm-hmm. behoove Tampa Bay to stick with Baker Mayfield because they, he understands the system. He's worked well with Evans and Godwin. Rashad White is showing he can be a very capable young running back. This is a good team it's a mm-hmm. team that frankly if they beat the saints on sunday and the saints are reeling now Oof. they will win the nfc them. south i'm gonna stay in the nfc south the team i cover the atlanta falcons arthur smith was on a very very hot seat still is on a hot seat here however he needed his team to show up they had a long conversation throughout the week the players the coaches on the offense their offense had underachieved this year you can argue their Mm -hmm. defense had in some ways as well but their offense certainly had what do they do they put up 29 points on the indianapolis colts who are also fighting for a playoff spot taylor heineke we're talking about backup quarterbacks taylor heineke (laughs) goes in and he makes the offense look as good as it has all year throws for 229 yards on a touchdown b john robinson 122 yards This Falcons team may not make the playoffs, but they go to Chicago, a team you know quite well, Courtney, and then they go to New Orleans to finish the season. It's reasonable to think that they might win out. They've got a shot to do it, and that very well could mean that Arthur Smith remains in place. Mm -hmm. Even if they only win one, one would think that maybe he can remain in place for next year. This was a huge win for the Falcons. They finally showed the potential of what they are capable of. They got six sacks, Courtney. That's more than they've had in a single game since 2019. All right, let's finish it up here. Number one. I am here for Joe Flacco doing Joe Flacco (laughs) things, winning four straight starts for the Cleveland Browns, a team that is now firmly in the postseason picture. He's always going to be good for an interception or two the way that he was last week, the game that I covered in Cleveland when they come back and then they win. Nothing in question yesterday against the Houston Texans on the road. Joe Flacco, Amari Cooper, the connection is immaculate. He's their fourth quarterback this year. If you haven't already (laughs) given Kevin Stefanski coach of the year for how much he's been able to get out of his quarterbacks, including soon-to-be 39-year-old from the couch into a starter role Joe Flacco, then you need to reevaluate what you're doing with your postseason awards if you have a vote. Joe Flacco has been awesome. He has been exactly what this Browns team needs to keep its postseason hopes alive and then get itself into the AFC playoff picture. Absolutely. The, what Kevin Stefanski has done, what Joe Flacco has done, has been nothing short of mm-hmm. remarkable. To me, what it leads to is they gave Deshaun Watson a whole lot of money. And now, if I'm the Browns, I'm questioning some of that. And maybe <laughs> was that the right decision? Because what you're seeing from Kevin Stefanski is he can get really good quarterback play out of anybody. And I would argue Joe Flacco is playing better than Deshaun Watson did. I'm going to stay in the Midwest because I covered the Detroit Lions. I covered them for eight seasons. I saw two playoff games, both of them on the road. They lost at Dallas, and then they lost in Seattle. What you saw, the scenes that you saw from Minnesota yesterday, Courtney, a place you know well, Mm -hmm. were nothing short of – it reminded me of like when a 
like mid-range, mid-level, like mid-major college basketball team wins their conference tournament and they know they're going to the NCAA tournament and they haven't won in years. They're in the locker room dancing. There's video of Aiden Hutchinson doing, I don't know what that dance was. I'm too old to know that. But he was dancing in the locker room. Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow, there were reports that they were in there and they were getting very emotional. They're the two leaders of that offensive line. They've been there forever. Taylor Decker's seen a lot of losing in Detroit. This is an awesome thing to see. I spent a lot of time there. Their fan base, for as bad as the Lions have been over decades, this is their first division title in 30 years. This is a team that was, like, this fan base needs it. And to see that, that was just a remarkable thing, knowing that fan base and knowing that team as I do, Mm -hmm. to see that they have finally had that success with Dan Campbell. The Browns, Lions, each won 10 games in a season, second time that's happened in NFL history. So much meat left on the bone to talk about with this Lions team. You know them well. You spent a decade in Detroit. We're going to get into that here shortly on Unsportsmanlike, a show that is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance by visiting Progressive.com. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein in for the crew today on Unsportsmanlike. With the Lions officially winning the NFC North, what does that mean for the rest of the conference? We're going to talk about that next here, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. The world was a lot different the last time the Detroit Lions won their division. It's a division that doesn't even <laughs> exist anymore. 1993, the NFC Central, a division that also had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in it. I, Courtney Cronin, was three years old when that happened. Mike, what were you doing back in 1993 when the was, Lions last won their division? I was getting bar mitzvahed. Okay. Uh, so I was 13. I was 13 years old. I was falling out of the chair at my bar mitzvah during the the horror that happened. <laughs> Unfortunately, I to say we're, it was, okay. That's I was gonna take that somewhere else, but so glad to know it was during the horror that that happened. Yes, it was during the horror. So they, you know, if you know anything about about you know Jewish culture, they have the horror. They lift you in chairs. They bounce you up and down, and I fell. And there's video of my brother, my, my brother, who you know, Merry Christmas to my brother and my family. But uh, they very much like showing that at family events still. 
All right. Well, that is a celebratory moment. The Detroit Lions also (laughs) celebrating as well. This is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The show, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's hear from Dan Campbell. In the celebratoriest of moods following the 30-24 win over the Minnesota Vikings to capture the NFC North crown. This is special. This is special, but, you know, like I said, it's a special group. And um, this is just the beginning. We feel that way. So, there again, I, I couldn't be more proud of the guys. That was Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, in his third season channeling a little Kobe Bryant. Job's not done there. This is just the beginning for the Detroit Lions. They capture the division in Week 16. You know this team better than anybody here at ESPN Radio. You covered the Lions, the time that from 2011 all the way until, I believe, what, 2021 was your last season there? 13 to 20, yeah. So I covered the last year of Schwartz. I covered all of Caldwell. I covered all of Matt Patricia. I covered the very, very beginning of Dan Campbell, including that first press conference, Courtney. And and that's where I want to go to. I want to go to that first press conference because a lot of people, a lot of people sat there when he said, oh, talking about biting kneecaps, and they were, they called Dan Campbell a joke. They did. A lot of people called Dan Campbell a joke. And I hope, I hope those people apologize. Because Dan Campbell, if you knew what he was doing that day, he made it very clear. And this was still during COVID, so it was over Zoom. He sat there. And he was basically talking to a fan base that was fractured, a fan base that had no hope, a fan base that had just seen three terrible seasons under Matt Patricia. And he was trying to instill confidence, instill belief in them, in the players that he was coaching. That was what that press conference was all about. It was like that that day, and it's been like that since. And he still had that stigma around him of just being the meathead coach guy. Because of those comments. But that's what he was doing. Because if you talk to people in that organization, that inspired them. You talk to people in that city, that inspired them. What we're seeing now is Dan Campbell can coach, Courtney. And he can motivate. And what you're seeing is that Brad Holmes built a roster around what he wants, around what they are looking for. They're very specific with what they're looking for. And they go and get those guys. Remember, people criticize them maybe drafting Jameer Gibbs in the first round. People criticize them drafting Jack Campbell in the first round. People maybe even looked at Sam Laporta in the second round. And were like, eh, guess what? Those guys have had major impacts this year. Sam Laporta is looking like one of the next great tight ends. Mm-hmm. They look like a good team. They are built around youth with a strong offensive line. This is a team that can be there for multiple years. What Dan Campbell is doing is he has created this vision in Detroit, him and Brad Holmes together, and they have built around that. And that has been such a key for where they are now. 2014, they made the playoffs. That was probably a better team than the one in 2016 that got to the wild card yes. round uh, and got blown out by the Seattle Seahawks. But, you know, like I, I watched an interview. Our colleague, uh, who covered Eric, uh, Eric Woodyard, who covers the Detroit Lions for NFL Nation, he has your old job up there. He did an on field interview with Taylor Decker, who's, I believe, the longest tenured Detroit Lion on this roster. He's been there for eight yeah. seasons. And, 
to watch him fight back tears after a hard-fought game, a 30-24 win over the Minnesota Vikings in the loudest environment in the division, and, and that defense, too. We're going to get into that in a little bit here on, on Sportsmanlike, but that defense deserves a lot of credit for the way that they were able to stave off Minnesota coming back in that game. But to see all that Taylor Decker had seen, a lot of which you had seen, Mike, because you were there all of those years, yeah. and then – to carry the weight of that city. I, I know that that sometimes is cliche and that players, you know, come in and out of Detroit. Not everybody's from there. Not everybody understands the magnitude of it, but that's someone who does. And to watch what this team has built, like, you know, talk about the offensive line. They put a masterclass together in how you construct that unit, starting with a guy like Taylor Decker, who was a first round pick in 2016 to come all the way here to win the division and to have a comfortable lead between themselves and several other teams vying, still vying for positioning in the postseason in the NFC, it says a lot about the process of roster construction, but also when you catch fire, being able to keep that flame alive. There is something that's working with the construction, really the relationship between Brad Holmes, the general manager, and Dan Campbell. And you're right. You go back to that first press conference. There was a lot of hyperbole. There were a lot of lofty expectations. And it took a while for this team to get there. They finished last season 9-8 and eight after a disastrous start. They were just shy of making the playoffs. They ended up playing spoiler to the Green Bay Packers in that Week 18 game on Sunday Night Football. I'll never forget it. And that was the moment for me where I knew, okay, this team's going to be a dangerous one in 2023. The way that they made moves in free agency, the way that they handled the draft, all of that led to this point now where we say Detroit's a dangerous team in the playoffs. Yeah, they, they had are. some rocky moments this season, but they're going to be a dangerous one come January. No, they, they are absolutely going to be dangerous. And it goes to this, Courtney. When Sheila Fordham made this hire, they said that they wanted to go out and get someone that can build what they wanted because they went and they got the Patriot way. The Patriot way failed yep. miserably with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. They went out and got something that was their own culture. Dan Campbell played there, and that was the biggest thing when they made this hire, and it has worked out. All right, Detroit is headed to the playoffs. They are celebrating in the Motor City. We are celebrating here on Unsportsmanlike on Christmas morning. Plenty more coming your way. Courtney Kern and Mike Rothstein sitting in for the crew. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio.